Well, guys, thanks again for uh, being with us this weekend and taking the time to be connected here at Grace. I think it's important. I think it's wonderful. And I'm grateful that we're able to do that together. Uh, we started a, a new series last weekend called With, uh, How Our Relationship with Christ is More Than We Think It Is. And uh, this term, with, we really drew this out of this idea of Emmanuel. And so Emmanuel is one of the names of Jesus. And uh, you'll hear that name used like a lot around the Christmas season. And Emmanuel, Emmanuel means God with us. And that whole concept that God would be with us, that he would interact with us, that he would want to know us, that he would want to come and be a part of the human experience with us is a really mind-blowing concept that we can be at peace with God and we can understand God, we can walk with God, we can talk with God and that the spiritual tension in our relationship with God uh, can be removed and we can be in tranquility with God. God. So we started digging at this a little bit last weekend. If you want to hear the whole conversation, use the app, use the website. There's a podcast. It's all right there. Uh, but this weekend, I want to take us back to the same part of the Bible that we kind of started with or dug into last weekend, and that's to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. So maybe there, wherever you're at, if you're at home and you got your Bible with you, uh, grab it, grab a pen, maybe a notebook, and uh, put some ink in those pages. But let's go together to Romans chapter 5. And that's where we uh, kind of talked through last week. And last weekend, uh, we talked through the first couple of verses of Romans chapter 5. And they say this, I'll read them for you. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. And that word peace there means tranquility, relational peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Because we have this relational tranquility with God and we can interact with God freely, now we can be in his presence and we can be close to him because of what Jesus did when he was born of the virgin, came, lived, gave his life on the cross and then took it up again, the whole work of Christ there. And when we ask for the forgiveness of our sin, then God says that he is faithful, he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and we can be at peace with him, our relational tranquility with him. So that is a mind-blowing kind of concept, an idea, and something that we really want to lean into. We need that, and we want that in our lives. But it's fascinating where the Apostle Paul goes next. He says this. He says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and then he says something really mind-boggling in verse five of chapter five. He says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So the Apostle Paul is talking to, he's writing this letter to people 
who are undergoing persecution, who are undergoing frustration, who are undergoing what the Bible just calls suffering. And he says that suffering does something. It produces a perseverance. That perseverance creates character where I'm kind of determined to be who God has called me to be. And that character produces hope. In other words, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Romans who are in a frustrating, disappointing, exasperating, exhausting time in history where their faith is tested, their patience is tested, their love for Christ is tested, their commitment to each other is tested, and their commitment to loving their community around them and sharing the hope of Jesus with them is tested. And in the middle of all of that, where, they, where they're just kind of worn out, beat down, kind of out of gas, the Apostle Paul says, when all of that happens, all of that is doing something in you, it's producing something in you, it's being redeemed in you, and it's creating hope. And that type of hope, that hope, does not put us to shame because God's love is being poured out to our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, is given, uh, who has been given to us. This hope, what another part of the Bible calls the living hope, the Apostle Peter called it the living hope. That living hope, that hope that is built in Christ will not put us to shame. Now let's talk about this for a minute because I think that this is a, a critical thing for us to understand if you're a, fi a Christ follower, this is something that you have. If you're not a Christ follower yet, this is something that God wants to give you. He wants to allow you to gain this access to him through the forgiveness of your sin. And hope is something that all of us need and all of us want to lock on to, all right? So when we talk about hope, the Bible is gonna talk about hope in kind of a, a, a couple of different ways. And it's important that we have these kind of organized in our mind properly. So the Bible's gonna talk about hope in a manner that I'm gonna call like an earthly hope, and then the Bible's gonna talk about what it says is a living hope, a living hope, all right? And understanding the difference between an earthly hope and a living hope is a really big deal because we're gonna be brought to situations in our life where we're gonna have to choose which type of that hope we're gonna get, a, get our hands on and build our life off of and move forward with. So an earthly hope and a living hope, right? So let's talk about an earthly hope for a minute. An earthly hope is a hope that we put into things or people or situations, and when we put that hope or set that hope in things, people, or situations, what we hope for is that those things or those people or those situations will create a firm foundation in our life that we can build our life off of, right? So as, a, as an example, as an earthly hope, I might look and say, uh, I'm, I'm going to school, I'm gonna go to college, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna study, I might even pay a fortune for do, to do that, pick up a bunch of student debt, things like that, but I'm doing that for a reason. I'm doing that because I have a hope. If I can get that thing, 
If I can get that thing, if I can get that degree, if I can get that knowledge, I can place my hope in that and maybe that will serve as a foundation for the rest of my life. It'll be the foundation off of which I build a worldview, the foundation off of which I can get a job, the foundation like I have in my mind that if I had this piece of paper, it will help me move forward in life. And I will put my hope in that. A lot of times we put our hopes in a person, right? If I can meet the right person, or if my mom and dad could figure out how to parent correctly, or if my roommates were great, if I just had the right set of friends, if I just had that like missing element in my life, if I could have that, then I could have a hope, and I could build life off of that, and and if that would just stay in place, I would be in good shape. And then a lot of us do this with situations or circumstances, right? The right job, the right neighborhood, uh, if the holidays go well, all those kind of things. If the right person is elected, if the right person is kicked out of office, like if we could just get the circumstances lined up, then everything would settle down and we could lock into and build hope off of that, a foundation for our lives. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal with earthly hope. Earthly hope will always fail at one level or another. And the reason that earthly hope will fail at one level or another is because it is not God, right? It's not living hope. So I put my my trust in a thing, that degree may be great and it may not be great. It might pigeonhole me into a career that I never wanted. Or maybe I've got it and I've got all the debt in the world, but now I can't find a job and I'm working a bunch of part-time things. It may open doors for me, it may not open doors for me, but it certainly will not satisfy my soul. It's not something I would build my life off of. That person, that person may be great or it may not be great. And usually in relationships, sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not. Every marriage does this, every friendship does this. There's ups and downs, why? Because my wife or my roommate or my friend cannot be my God. They cannot satisfy my soul, it's impossible. And then of course circumstances are forever changing. They're uncontrollable, right? And, and I, can't, I can't set up a perfect world and keep it a perfect world, that's impossible. And when I take my hope, when I take my life foundation and I try to build it off of those earthly things, Jesus said that's like building my life on shifting sand. The waves are gonna crash against it, the foundation's always gonna erode, it's not gonna ever be able, it cannot provide for me what I hope that will, it will provide for me. Now the Bible would say the alternative is a living hope. And a living hope is the person of Jesus Christ. The fact that God loves us, he's not out to get us. The fact that he wants to be with us, that he came for us, he wants to be known by us, and he wants us to know him. The fact that he's unchanging, he's the same yesterday, today, 
and forever, the Bible says. The fact that he will never leave me, never forsake me. My security is in him and is in him eternally. And the Apostle Paul is talking about that living hope, and he says that hope will never put us to shame. It will never embarrass us. It, it will never co collapse under us. It, it will never fail us. We'll never have to go back and retell the story because it is a hope that I can build my life off of. I can build my confidence on Jesus Christ. I can build my future off of Jesus Christ. I can build truth off of the truth of God. I can lock into that living hope and it will not let me down and it will not erode away from me. And Jesus uses the metaphor, when you build your life on him, it's like building your life on a rock. And the winds come and the waves come and it, you can't be moved because you're locked into the granite, you're locked into the bedrock. It's a living hope. It's a place that I can put my confidence and keep it, right? So the Bible lays this out. And the Bible says, yeah, there, there's earthly hope in essence that, you know, that, that all of us have and we can have ex access to. And then there is a living hope that through Christ, because Christ wants to be with us, because he's Emmanuel, that, that Christmas, Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, provides for us this living hope. If sin can't defeat Christ, if the earth can't defeat Christ, if death can't defeat Christ, then he is a foundation on which I can build my life, right? And the Bible would lay out, God would lay out kind of these two positions and these two types of hope that we can think about. Now, knowing that there's these two types of hope, there's what I call an earthly hope, what the Bible calls a living hope. Knowing that there's these two types of hope, what God then gives us or leaves us with is a choice. I now have a free will. God doesn't control me. He doesn't manipulate me. He doesn't keep me under his thumb. He lets me choose to follow him, choose to love him. He tells me kind of the ramifications if I reject him or if I go with him, but the choice is mine. And as a human being, I'm left now with this choice. Do I want to build my life off of an earthly hope or do I want to build my life off of the living hope, the thing, the hope that will never fail me, never leave me, and never forsake me? Later on in the book of Romans, Paul talks about it this way. And he kind of lays out this choice for us a little bit. He says this. He says, and hope does not put us to shame. Right? We talked about this because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then he says this in Romans chapter 8. He says, but this hope. He goes, but hope, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Paul comes in and he says, guys, listen, there's this living hope. It's not going to put you to shame. You're not going to be embarrassed by it. But he kind of leans in then and says, let's talk about these, these differences a little bit. And let's talk about the difference between an earthly hope and a living hope. And he says it this way, hope that is seen is no hope at all. As I'm going through life, 
and I'm deciding what to build my life off of, I have all of these earthly options kind of available to me all the time. And in Christ, I have living hope available to me as well. And the Apostle Paul says, when I reach for something that is seen, when I reach for what everybody else is reaching for, I'm gonna put my hope in money, my hope in government, my hope in circumstances, my hope in relationships. When I reach for something that is seen, the Apostle Paul says, that is no hope at all. There's no faith, there's no hope. Why is it no hope at all? Because it fails, and we all know that it fails. We've all gone down those roads at one level or another to differing degrees and depths, and they all wind up at the same place. Hope that is seen is no hope at all, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it. Paul says, but if we put our hope in Christ, he's not seen, it takes faith, but if we believe and we set our anchor there, we will bypass these things, see. If I put all my hope into a relationship, then I'm, I'm pulling my hope away from the living hope, and I'm pushing it there, and it's always gonna put me to shame. If I put all of my hope in financial stability, and I just gotta have enough money, and, it's gotta, and then I'm pooling my hope, because I can't love God and money simultaneously. One of them will be my master, the Bible says. So if I put all my hope in the, in the financial stability, I'm pooling it from the living hope, and, and it will always let me down at one way or another. It will either crash, or I'll get it all, and it'll still leave me empty. If I put all of my hope in earthly hope, it will always put me to shame. But if I have faith and trust and patience and I put my hope in the living hope, Paul says it will never let me down. Christ will not fail us. Right? Now that's hard. That's super hard. It's super hard to put my faith in God when I don't have immediate results and I'm being asked to step out and live by faith and to trust these things when all of this is like right here and available for me, right? Because as I am putting my faith in God, we might say, I'm also dealing with like the real issues of life. I'm still struggling with depression. I'm still overwhelmed with anxiety. I'm still fearful about the future. I'm still frustrated with the politicians. I'm still in a difficult family situation. I still am wrestling with my addictions. See, while I'm wanting this hope and I wanna build my life on a living hope, man, all of this is happening right now and I kinda know what I would normally do and I know it doesn't work, but at least it's familiar. And Paul says, Let's wait, let's wait. Let's trust God. Let's fix our eyes and our minds on things above the eternal things and allow the hope of Christ 
the confidence, the unshakable truth of who Christ is to be what defines our life. Now this is what I love. It's almost as if God knew we would ask this question. And so here in verse 24, this is how Paul lays it out. And it's almost as if God knows us and understands us. And so when we go to ask those questions, what Paul says next is, is something that God gives us to reassure us and help us. Look at this, this is fascinating. Verse 25, 26, 27, he says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I want you to get this and understand this. This is mind-boggling. Do you understand what God just said through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter eight? He said this, let's put it together. He said, guys, listen. We have a choice to make. And when we're suffering and when we're frustrated and when we're disappointed and when, when we're just at the end of our rope and we're on that kind of ragged edge, God is not abandoning you, he won't. He's not forsaking you, he hasn't even forgot about you. He knows what's going on in your life. And the suffering, the frustration, the things you're going through are producing godliness in you and the end of that production run is hope. The more that you give yourself to living hope, the greater that living hope becomes in you, so to say. The firmer that foundation becomes in your life. The temptation is always to turn to earthly hope. It's right around you. But Paul says, guys, that's no hope at all. That's just like what everybody else does. But if you'll wait on the Lord, if you'll seek the Lord, if you'll stand firm, if you'll press through, if you'll persevere, then that living hope becomes a stronger and stronger foundation within you. And when you get to moments of desperation, when you are out of gas, when you've been by yourself way too long, when you're frustrated beyond belief that we can't break out of the cycles that we're in in our culture and in our society, and you look and say, I am so tempted to just grab what is right around me and to forsake all of this stuff. Listen, this is incredible. God says, you know who intervenes at that moment? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, who is in you, if you're a Christ follower, knows you, he helps you, he brings you peace, and he reinforces this living hope. The Holy Spirit, when you are at the end of your rope, at the end of yourself, he prays, this is mind-boggling, he prays for you. He intercedes, he takes what's in your heart and on your mind and overwhelming you and he takes it before the throne of God and he intercedes or he prays for you there. It's incredible. When you feel by yourself, when you're ready to relapse, when you're done with the marriage, when you can't take it anymore, when the, 
when the anxiety and the depression is all overwhelming. Not only are you not alone, but the Holy Spirit of God himself intervenes on your behalf. And Paul says when you lean into that, when you lean into that relationship, when you lean into who Christ is, when you lean into what God will do and does do for us, that hope will never fail you. It will not put you to shame. It will never embarrass you. Guys, if there was ever a season that we needed hope, it's now. And if there's ever a time that we wanted to remember God's hope, it's now. With all that's happening in our world and all that's kind of happening at this time of year at Christmas when we're remembering the love of Jesus, this great hope jumps to the forefront. One scholar said this, He said, if the God of the universe loves us, we can be confident, place our hope. We can be confident that he is worth trusting. God has proved that 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 love to us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did not wait for us to get stronger or better, but he acted to resolve the dispute between us. And what was his first action? How, what was his first step? How did he act? The very first way that he acted to bring this relational tension to a peace and to bring this hope to a living hope, the first thing he did was Christmas. Emmanuel, he came to be with us. And when Jesus stepped out of heaven, born of a virgin, lived, taught, the whole story of his life, the end result starting at Christmas was not only that God came to be with us, but that God remains with us. And when I am struggling for hope, my God is with me. When I'm at the end of my rope, my God is with me. When I feel all alone, my God is with me. When I am frustrated out of my mind, my God is with me. And when I am out of words, that God who is with me literally prays for me. There's always hope. There's always living hope. And it comes through Christ our Lord. A child was born. A son was given. And Christmas reminds us. And the most frustrating of times, personally, globally, societally, and the most frustrating of times, Christmas reminds us that we serve a God who is the living hope. I hope you download that this week. I hope you meditate on it. I hope you soak it up. I hope you lean into it. And when you're out of words and you're out of energy, the Holy Spirit of God will pray. 
And when you're ready to praise God and celebrate God and remember how good he is, see, the spirit of God is with you even in those moments too. And that's why Christmas is a season of hope because God is with us. Would you kind of pause what you're doing right now and uh, maybe just be just stop on the trail or, or whatever you're doing, just stop for a second. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes just where you're at? Don't worry about anybody looking at you. Just where you're at. And would you pray with me and ask God to reveal and enforce and make this hope real to you? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you and we are grateful to you. And we are grateful to you for this hope, this living hope that we have in you. Jesus, we come from a thousand different places right now because of the holidays and busyness and COVID and school being out and then it being back in. A lot of our semesters got cut short. Lord, you know what's going on in our hearts. You know our frustrations. You know where we're tempted to place our hope other than you. So would you right now in thousands of different individuals, Lord, would you right now unite your church? Would you unite Grace Church through your Holy Spirit right now? Would you bring us to one heart and one mind? God, would you bring us to a unity to proclaim the good news of who you are, to love our community, and to rest in the living hope. And God, for anyone right now who is under my voice, who's out of gas, who's frustrated, our blood pressure's just through the roof, would you remind them that you are the only solid rock? And God, for those of us who are doing great, we're having the time of our lives and so excited about Christmas time, would you remind us that you our only solid rock. We love you, Jesus. We trust you, and we're grateful for the living hope that is you.